Galilee saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, they saw two other brothers, Simon, sorry, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mended their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. That's it. So the story was 11 verses in, in uh, Luke chapter 5, and we've read the same story in four verses in Matthew. Cut all the two boats, one entering into one, mending their nets. We've thought all night and caught nothing. Cut all those bits out. And he just said what he wanted to say, and that's it. Amen. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 19. We are still talking about called, chosen and called into discipleship. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, the Bible says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. Underline the word wanted. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, the brother of James, to whom they gave, he gave the name Bonegis, that is called Sons of Thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Now, I read this story to let us know that Jesus was deliberate in his choice because the people he chose had names. Hello? The people he chose had names. When somebody has a name, it means the person is important. There is nothing insignificant in the Bible. Are you with me? When the Bible doesn't mention the name of the person, it means the person was insignificant. I don't know whether you, there was a leper. But the ones that they mentioned their names, it means they were very important. The woman at the well, they didn't mention her name, but they said the woman. Are you getting it? So when they mention the names, the Bible takes time to mention all of them because all of them were chosen um, what's the word I'm looking for? They were deliberately chosen. Are you with me? So I want you to know that you are deliberately chosen by God. You are not a number. Contrary to popular opinion, your name is known. Are you getting what I'm saying? And last week we started talking about this subject and I said to you last week that there were two boats, means there are alternatives. Amen. And then went on to talk about they, there was a pressing need. Do you remember? There was a pressing need. And they couldn't wait for them to all be qualified before they chose them. They had to 
Jesus had a need, and the need had to be met. Amen. And then we went on to talk about they were mending their nets. They were washing their nets. All means that they had problems. Are, are you with me? And in spite of their problems, Jesus said to them they should cast. One, they should give, give him their boat, and two, they should cast the net out. Amen. And I said to you that we've been called to be fishers of men. Do you remember? We've been called to become fishers of men. And one of the things that you must understand about fishing is that fishing requires time and patience. Are you with me? Faith and persistence. Amen. Because you cannot predict how fish will move. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So whether you are using a net to catch them or you are using a hook line to catch them, you require a lot of patience and a lot of faith. Faith because it takes a longer time to catch them. Are you with me? Fishing also requires perseverance and persistence. Am I making sense? Perseverance and persistence because if you try and you don't catch, try again. When you try again, you don't catch as many as you want. Keep trying. Keep trying until you catch. And I'm saying all these things because we as fishers of men, we have the same job that we, we called into the same vocation as these guys. Are you with me? So we must learn to have a lot of patience. We must learn perseverance. Don't give up at the first sign. Are you with me? You've not been called into... A, a, what do you call it? A certain vocation that is like as soon as you, one plus one is two, and then that's it. No, you've been called into fishing, and fishing requires perseverance. Amen. Another thing is that as you keep fishing, your net will break. Your boat will incur some damages. And I said to you last week that the boat is you. Hello? You are the vessel. So in your duty as a fisherman, you will incur some damages. Hello? Am I making sense? And the damages is part of ministry. It is part of fishing. You may be offended. You may be hurt. You may be bruised. And all those things are part of the fishing because in spite of them, you still have to persist. They say that the most injured and most hurt person in the church is the pastor. In spite of the many offenses that he gets and the many hurts he gets, he persists. That's why you must never be offended by your pastor. No matter what he does to you. Because you just imagine everybody here, you're wounding me. And occasionally I wound you. Which one do you think has many wounds? Do you understand what I'm saying? I know none of you in this room plans to wound me. But it is part of our normal day to day relationship for you to wound me just as it is for me to wound you are you with me but if you look at the in the grand scheme of things who do you think will suffer many more wounds 
Are you getting it? I'm saying that so that the day in case your pastor offends you, don't take it into heart. Because you pointing one finger at him, how many are pointing back at you? You've offended him four times against the one he has done to you. So don't jump on the judgment seat and condemn him. Hello? That was just by the by. Let me go on. <laughs> so, so you, you, you will incur damages, so take time and repair the nets. Amen. One of the things that one, the most dangerous soldier is a wounded soldier. That wounded soldier is dangerous to us and dangerous to the enemy. I don't know whether you understand. He is dangerous to us because he slows down our pace. Because in our army, just as the U.S. Army, we don't leave any, any soldier behind. Whether you are injured or not, we have to carry you. And for us to carry you means you slow down our pace and make us a target for the enemy. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. That is why you must not be selfish. A lot of people, when they get offended, they want to suck the energy out of the place. They want, everybody must know that you are wounded. And so you have to suck the energy. You come to church and then you have a certain face on. For, for all of us to walk like on broken bodies around you because you are wounded. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. And sometimes they don't want that wound to be repaired. They want the wound to be there for a long time so that attention will come upon them. But what you are doing is making us all a sitting duck for the enemy. Because all of us will be destroyed in the process. That is why after every catch, they take time to mend the net, to wash the net for the next catch. I don't know whether you get it. So after everything that we are doing, take time and get, Bible says, if anyone is offended, you that has been offended, go to your brother who has offended you and make peace. Oh, the other day what you did I wasn't happy. Leave your sacrifice and make peace because we cannot afford to have injured soldiers around. Make peace. Every time, make peace. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. In Matthew 4, 21, a little further, he saw two brothers, James and John, in a boat with their father repairing the nets. They were repairing the damage. Amen. Take time to repair the damage. Don't harbor offenses. In Leviticus, I know you don't like reading Leviticus, but I'll tell you something that is there. In Leviticus, you know, Leviticus is a letter written to the Levites. The Levites are the priests. So if you want to be a priest, 
you must read Leviticus. Because it will show you what to do and what not to do. One of the things that uh, Moses wrote to the priest, the Leviticus, that you must not have scurvy. Scurvy is like skin rashes. A priest must not have boils. You must not have wounds. Do you understand? Because all those things make you contaminated. You contaminate the, the anointing. You must not wear tight clothes. I know when you read things like that, it's just of tight clothes and you move on. No, no. But tight clothes that you must not harbor offenses. Be loose. Have a free spirit. Are you getting it? You must not, oh, I am waiting for him to fall into my trap. That's wearing tight clothes. So that I get him. I'm setting traps. A priest must not have that. You must not have scurvy. You must not have wounds. You must not wear tight clothes. You must not have bells. Don't carry pain and harbor offenses. That person did that to me. I'm waiting for the day I will get them. No, you can't be a good priest. Learn to repair. Can you imagine how much we offend God all the time? If God ever harbored our offenses, Bible says, if God will mark our iniquities, who can stand? And God has made you his representative. How dare you harbor offenses? You represent God. You cannot keep grudges. You are a priest. Learn to forgive. Bible says, his mercies are brand new. Lamentations chapter 3. Every morning. He renews our offense. Pardon. Tolerance. He renews it. The tolerance level. He renews it every morning. So that as we offend by the morning, by 12 a.m. He has renewed it. Brand new mercies he gives us. Hallelujah. So, brand new messages you give to the people around you. Amen. So, I don't know whether I'm preaching to the right crowd. Because you are all, you are, your amens have gone home. So, one day the disciples asked Jesus, how many times should a brother offend me and I forgive them? Shall I forgive them 70 times? Seven times. And Jesus said, sarcastically says 70 times 7. Means that make it multiples of 70, of 7. Every day. So 149 times. 490, 449, 490 times a day. Who can offend you 490 times in a day? If you want to be pedantic, then he says that 490 times a day. Hmm? How many hours in a day? How many minutes of the day is there? Hallelujah. Are, are you getting it? So forgiveness is something that you must 
practice. If you're going to be a disciple, have forgiveness all the time. Don't wear tight clothes. You must be clean shaven. You must shave your beard well. Your, 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 your hair should be nicely cleaned. You know, so that flies, lice, don't, insects. When I say flies, I'm talking about insects. Insects don't go into your hair. Read Leviticus, you see all the things I'm saying. Because flies and lies are instruments of Satan. The Bible calls Satan the Lord of the flies. So anytime you make your hair unkept, you don't have good shower, you attract flies. Hallelujah. I don't know whether you understand me. <laughs> Amen. Let me move on quickly. Otherwise, I'll have a camp on this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited about this camp, really. If you have been registered, please register. Because this camp is going to be a game changer, believe me. In not only your spiritual life, but in your business life as well. In your investment life, in your uh, natural health, whatever, every aspect of your life will be covered in this camp. Hallelujah. Number, what number am I on? I'm not giving numbers. Okay. The next one, cast your net again and again. We have told all night and caught nothing. He says that. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll cast it again. As a fisherman, don't get tired of casting your net. Amen. Don't get tired. Don't get tired. Don't get tired. Keep on casting your net again and again and again. On Saturday, we went to, um, for a service and um, this man of God was preaching. And he said something. Um, after I came home and I thought about it and I realized that what he said was true. He said that it takes, he was teaching, it was a pastor's uh, uh, whatever, seminar or whatever. And he says that it takes twice as much energy to restore somebody who was offended and left the church than it takes to get a new person into the church. I, I was like, okay. So I went home and I was thinking about, I was pondering over it. And then he gave a story that during the COVID, he had this spiritual son that lost more than half of his congregation because they went on Zoom. And when they came back, half of the congregation didn't come back. So they remained on Zoom. So he, he, this pastor contacted other pastors for advice and they said that switch off the Zoom or threaten the people and switch off the Zoom so that they will come back. So he said that on the so-and-so date, we will cancel Zoom. So when he said that, a few who were in the Zoom land came. But the rest said that if you think you are, we will talk, we will go to another church. So they, they Zoomed off. So, 
so the guy was very, very, very upset, hurt, and everything. So he went to his spiritual father, who is this pastor. And he said, I said to him that this is the problem I'm facing. What should I do? And he said, he told him that the energy that you are going to spend fighting to get these, assuming this half was like uh, 2,000 people back, if you use that same energy to start all over again, you will get more people. So he said, okay, I'll do what you have said. So he came to the church and said to the church that we are restarting the church from today. Anybody you don't see here is not a member of our church anymore. This is our church and we are restarting. So he restarted, rededicated himself to the people that I'll pastor you. If I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. If you have done it, so from today we are starting the church all over again. And he says that that was 2021. And as he speaks now, the church has gone more than 7,000. So it's gone like three times the, the number it used to be before COVID. So I was thinking, I realized it's true because you need, if it is 50% energy, you need 50% energy to go and convince them to come. Then you need another 50% energy to dance to their tune to keep them here. So in the end, you spend twice the energy to go and bring them and keep them. And still they'll be offended. And eventually they will, because you'll be like, you are a pendulum, you have to dance to everybody's tune. And when you get tired of dancing, they will leave. (laughs) Are you getting it? So learn as a leader to cast your net again and again and again and again. Vanessa, don't worry about those who are like offended. They won't want to come to the choir. Cast your net. Keep casting. Keep casting. You want to have 100 people in your choir? Don't get tired of getting new members. Uh, you get what I'm saying? It takes twice as much energy to try and bring one person who has left offended and gone to bring them back than it takes to go and get a new person. And remember, God didn't call us to individuals. He called us to a city. He called us to a country. To a, that is why unto the angel of Sardis. Sardis is a city. Unto the angel of uh, Laodicea, Philadelphia, Smyrna. You understand? He, when you read uh, uh, Revelation 2 and 3, it's a city. He's called you to a city. So the city is your congregation that you need to work at. Not individuals. He never called you to individuals. So stop spending your whole energy on individuals. I don't know whether I'm I'm helping you. Nobody has been called to individuals. You have been called to a city. So focus on the city. Leave individuals. They know where the the address of the church. If they want to come, they will come themselves. (laughs) Oh, you don't. Do you think that people have left the choir? They know their choir times. They know their choir times. They know the, the place where the choir meets. They know the rules of the choir. You are not prepared to change the rules to fit to suit them. So they are offended and they've left. So if you really want to have a big choir, forget about them and go out there. Oh, you don't understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Why don't we go and speak to brother something, brother? I don't have time. Honestly, I don't. Because they will not suck all the energy. Because I only have one energy. As I'm chasing brother something who has is offended and go to the next door church. The rest of leads inspiration. It's Satan's plot to distract you. And it distracts you by making you focus on one person. Who is offended? Bible says that a brother who is offended is like a, a, a strong city. That the bars are of brass that is closed. Can't penetrate. So leave them alone. Pray that God will touch their heart. Until the time God touches their heart, work on your field. You have been called into a field. You understand? If the field is United Kingdom, that is your field. Work on it. If you've been called to Leeds, that is your field. Work on it. If you've been called to Manchester, that is your field. Work on it. Forget about that one person. That one person coming to the church will not fill the church. And that one person leaving the church will not empty the church. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. I told you about those guys on the stage who left my church. Do you remember? I had this I had this church, and then there were some guys who always, at the end of the service, they would gather on the stage. Then they would be, when I go there, oh, Pastor, I'll see them, they always gather on the stage. They would see the pool chairs, and they would say, One day, all of them, about, about, there were about six or seven families, they all left, not just seven people, individual, husband, wife, children, husband, wife, there were about six or seven, they all left the church the same day. This was in Birmingham. They left the church the same day. It was the biggest blessing that ever happened to me. The, my biggest breakthrough was these guys leaving the church. When they left the church, there was nobody else on the stage. There was peace. My church grew three times. We started having multiple services after they left. Sometimes the biggest blessing is for that person to leave the church. Bible says, cast out the scorner and contention will cease. Hallelujah. I hope I've, I've encouraged somebody. Okay. Number, next one. Do not be worried about rotten fish. As a fisherman, occasionally you catch rotten fishes. So sometimes when you're emptying the net after, after your catch, you will see that there are some things that are caught which is not nice. In Matthew 13, verse 47 to 49, Jesus gives a parable about this, this thing that I'm saying. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered every kind, some of every kind, which when it was full, drew, they drew to the shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels and threw the bad away. Are you with me? So it, sorry? It's Matthew 13, 47 to 49. So it, 
it will be at the end of the age that the angels will come forth and separate the wicked from the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Hallelujah. So in a ministry, you will catch good fish, you will cut bad. Don't, let, don't make a monument out of the bad fish. Don't build a tombstone because of the bad fish. Are you getting it? Cast them away and then quickly move on. Amen. Am I helping somebody at all? The way you are quiet. So I'm talking about chosen, isn't it? Chosen to be a fisherman. Chosen to be a fisherman. You are not only called to be a fisherman, you're also chosen to be with him. See that he called them, first of all, to be where? With him. He didn't just call them to send them. He called them first to be with him. And then he gave them power and sent them out. So the equation is very simple. If you want power, stay with him. A lot of people like going. They, they, they don't like hanging around him. They just want to go. If you have called me to be a fisherman, let me go fishing. So for a day they call, the next day you are in the, in the sea fishing. No, 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 no. Did you read what I read? Hmm? In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says that he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Can you see that? That he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal. Amen. So first of all, he wants them to be with him. Then secondly, he gives them power to heal and cast out demons. He sends them out to preach. Amen. So your greatest asset as a shepherd, a fisher of men, is to be with him. Amen. That is why you must make the gathering of the saints, gathering of in his presence, a priority. I, I really suspect any pastor, any, uh, what do you call it? Let me not use pastor. Any fisherman who doesn't want to be with him. Anybody that's called who doesn't want to be with him. Who doesn't want to gather when there's prayer. Who doesn't want to gather when there's the word. Oh, you don't, you don't get what I mean. That's why I, I'm saying, I always say that if you're a minister, you're a pastor or whatever, you don't come for camp, then your license is suspended. It's a very simple thing. Because if you don't want to be with him, what, where do you want to be? And what mandate do you have to go out there? First of all, you must get the spirit of the church. In order to represent the church. You must get the heart of the church. In order to represent the church. You must get the ethos of the church. In order to represent the church. And the best place we can give or disseminate the heart, the spirit, the ethos of the church is in the camp. Because we have, I mean, if I'm preaching at least one hour every Wednesday. And one hour every Sunday. It means I'll preach 52 hours in a year for a Sunday, 
and 52 hours in a year for a Saturday, a Wednesday. That makes how many hours? 104 hours in a year. In the camp, for those who have been in the camp, it is 12 hours non-stop preaching. So that is 12 times 5 is what? 60 hours of intense preaching, prayer and impartation. So a week of 60 hours plus half the year. Of all, which one do you think will have more impact? Uh, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you have been called to be with him. Amen. Number two, you have been called to sacrifice. Yeah, I'm giving you what the calling means. I've given you what the work is. The work is to be a fisherman. Now I want to give you what the calling means. Are you getting it? Hello? Did you understand it? I gave you your call. The, the, what, what do you call that? Your job description is what I just gave you. Now I'm giving the reason why you have been employed. So your first reason for employment is what? To be with him. Number two is what? You've been called to sacrifice. So please, if you are in this room, don't complain about too much of your time, too much of your energy, too much of your money. Because that is what you've been called to. The price of leadership is sacrifice. Can I say that again? The price of leadership is sacrifice. A leader who is not prepared to sacrifice is not a leader. Is somebody taking a walk? You understand that next week. <laughs> if we are working together on the same level, we are taking a stroll. We are hanging out. If somebody is ahead and we are following, then that is a leader. Because he's taking two, three, four paces ahead so that we follow. So the level of his prayer must be three, four paces ahead of us. The level of his word study must be three, four, five paces ahead of us. The level of his sacrifice must be three, four, five paces ahead of us before we can follow him. Does that make sense? So the price of leadership is sacrifice. If you are not prepared to sacrifice, you can't lead. Amen. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35 says that, and he called the people to himself. With his disciples also. And he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So sacrifice means giving to the Lord whatever he requires. Your time, your money, your possession, your whatever, your dignity. You must 
freely give it because it is part of the requirement. It is part of your calling. Pastor, you don't understand. They insulted me. What were you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, are, you are even blessed they didn't spit at you. They spat at Jesus. So, they insulted you, so what? It's part of ministry. Sacrifice people talking about you. And I said, they will talk about you. Isn't it? Cool. Develop a thick skin. It's part of leadership. If you want to be a leader, develop a thick skin. Don't be soft. Don't worry about what people are saying. Because they're saying they will, they will say. The accusations will come. The stones will be thrown. Whether you are the nicest person or not, it will come. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? So don't worry about that. It's part of the sacrifice. Remember on Sunday we said except a grain of corn falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. John chapter 12 verse 24, but when it dies, then it bears for fruit. So be willing to die. Die to yourself. Die to your, your feelings. Die to your all the things. Amen. Number two, number three, chosen also, to be a disciple means you have been called to maturity. I, I, I don't want to read the scripture, but I'll write it down. First Peter 2, 1 to 10. I think we read it the first time we started talking about chosen. Therefore, laying aside all malice and uh, deceit and hypocrisy with envy, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, so sacrifice, isn't it? You have to lay aside and desire sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Hallelujah. Number, number four. So, you see, maturity, I was talking about maturity. Let's go back to maturity. Maturity, only mature trees give fruits, isn't it? So, if you want to bear fruit, you have to mature. That's why in uh, first, uh, first Timothy says, not a novice. When he's talking about the, 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 the qualities of a bishop, he says that not a novice, unless he being lifted up, becomes proud and destroys themselves. Are you with me? So when you are called, try and grow quickly. That's why I desire the sincere milk of the word so that you grow. Don't stay a novice. Don't stay ignorant. It's not a good place to be. Amen. So, 1 Timothy 3, 6, not a novice. Desire the sincere milk of the word. It's only mature trees that bear fruit. When, a, when an immature tree tries to bear fruit, the fruit is very sour, isn't it? So try to grow quickly. And another thing is that the call must be responded to willingly. So not by compulsion. Remember, 
we talked about not by compulsion. You must accept it willingly. I shouldn't beg you to do the work you are doing. And you shouldn't do it because I'm looking. Look at me standing here. Do you think I'm looking at what is happening in South Africa? Do you think I'm looking at what uh, Pastor Zondi is doing? How many people has he visited, she visited this week? How many people did she pray for last week? Has she been doing visitation? Has she been doing fasting for the people? Has to do it willingly. All of us. Do I have I ever asked you how many people have you visited? How many people have you called and prayed for? How many people? No. That's not my job. It's not my job description. <laughs> I have given you the tools. Go and do it. If you do it, we will see the results. If you don't do it, hallelujah. So it is better to do it willingly. You did not choose me, I chose you. So respond to the call. Amen. And the next one is that he has called us to become builders. In 1 Peter 2, 4 to 6, he says that coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you are also living stones and are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay a chief cornerstone in Zion, Elect precious, and he that believes will not be by any by no means be put to shame. Amen. So part of leadership is building. I told you there are builders, users, abusers, and destroyers. In in any leadership. They are builders, users, abusers, and destroyers. So, assuming Vanessa has been called to the choir, the mark of your leadership quality is what you build. So, if you build a choir of 100 people, we call you a good builder, good leader. If you came to meet 15 people, and you manage the 15. You two got offended, so you are left with 13. We call you a manager. Because part of life is that people leave, put travel. So, but if he gave you 15 and I'm leaving, you left only six. You abused the 15 that was given to you. If by the time you are leaving, there's no choir, then you are a destroyer. <laughs> and then you blame it on the people. No, 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 don't. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen, building has never been easy. And building will never be easy. 
Do you understand? So stop complaining about how difficult it is to build. From the days of Noah till today, building has never been easy. And it will never, ever be easy. Any building was building an ark is difficult. Building a house is difficult. Building a ministry is difficult. Building a boat is difficult. You want to build a choir? It's not a joke. Me, my, I never went to Bible school. My Bible school was building a choir. That was my Bible school. And I tell you, if you can build a choir, you can build a church. The principle is the same. The principle is the same. My Bible school was building a choir. Especially the choir that I had. I didn't have a choir of sheep. I had a choir of mountain goats. <laughs> I will come and stand there and tell the pastor, there's so much fear in the church. I want you to know that I don't fear you. <laughs> Those were the people in my choir. <laughs> The choir director, they told the pastor, not the choir director. They went to the senior pastor and said, There's a lot of fear in the church. I want you to know I don't fear you. <laughs> and they came to stand there and sing. <laughs> if you can deal with people like that, you can lead a choir, a church. Believe me. Yeah. I want you to understand that building takes perseverance persistence, it takes patience, it takes a certain fortitude, a certain hard-heartedness, and it takes vision. You cannot build what you haven't seen. Most times, it's just a plain land. The builder will say that here is going to be the bathroom, and here will be the living room. Here will be the kitchen. This is going to be the lounge, the sitting area. This is going to be the balcony. How do they know what they are saying? It is vision. Are you with me? When I'm talking about uh, building a 100-voice choir or 200-voice choir, if you can't see it, you can't build it. You want a 1,000-seater church. Have you seen a thousand-seater church? If you don't see it, you can't build it. So, number one, you have to leave where you are now. Go and see a church that has thousand people. See how it looks like, how it feels like. What it takes to pastor a church of thousand. If you can see it, now you have a certain vision. That's why as pastors, never ever stay in your, in your church all the time and think that you, because you're a farmer, a <laughs> myopic farmer. Sometimes you've got to go and borrow vessels, go and learn from people. Well, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Go to different places and learn. Because when you go and see, I'm not saying go and uh, to another church and say, I've come teach me. No, no. But go and see. Because when you see, you envisage. You understand what I'm saying? You see a choir of 100 voices. You can now imagine it. The reason why I brought the whole choir together, I think one or two of the conventions, was to give the leadership an idea of how a choir of 30 people 
look like, sound like, and feel like. From then on in, it was easy to build a choir. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. But until then, the, choirs, the, the leaders were always fighting with me that it's not possible. In this part of the world, you can't build a choir that like that. And that's not even the number I'm looking for. I'm looking for 100. So we have to move from here. Ah, I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. Okay, let's move on. So leadership, building a ministry, building a church, building a chapel, building a, a, a home, a family, requires patience, tenacity, vision, perseverance, you know, fortitude. You need all those things. Hallelujah. Don't be quick to accept excuses from people. Don't be quick to accept defeat. A builder never accepts defeat. How many have built before? Uh, You will see that artisans are the chief liars. You know, plumbers, carpenters, masons, they will say, I'm coming now. They will come next week. (laughs) I'm on my way. Forget it. They say materials are finished. They've stolen the materials they're going to sell. (laughs) So you have to be a fighter or else you won't build anything. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You have to be a fighter because people will give you excuses. People will give you a run around. People would, if you are not a hard person, you won't last. You will give up. You said the building things. A lot of people start building and they leave. They abandon the project and run away. How many know that? One in two churches break, uh, gets abandoned before the church is built. For every two churches, one is not built. They start and they stop. Because building is difficult. Uh, 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 I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. So it takes a lot of perseverance and persistence. Don't accept defeat. It will be built. I said the ministry will be built. That church will be built. That chapel will be built. It will become a church. That mega church will be built. Hallelujah. It takes tenacity. Be strong. Don't say, around this place, this is how it is. No. It is not how it is. So as for here, nobody builds a skyscraper. Why not? Be the first to build. You see, as soon as you build a skyscraper, there will be skyscrapers around you. It will start emerging. Be the first. Are you with me? Be the first. Build so here, we don't have churches. If you want churches, you have to go to Leeds. As for Dewsby, we only have, you know. No, don't accept that. Amen. Go and build a mega church. Fight. A good fight of faith. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything you want to do in God, 
know that Satan is not going to sit by and watch you do it. There are territorial spirits that will always fight against you, building something of worth in any place. I was telling a pastor, a pastor friend of mine called and was complaining about, he's trying, they are trying to buy this building. And uh, buildings like that, uh, every day there's a story. Every day there's a story. And he called, he called, he complained and complained. Then he called me, I think two days ago, he was complaining about how difficult it is. I said, said you're preaching to the choir. I said to him, our own lawyer, the one we are paying, was the one who was fighting against us when we were buying this building. I don't know whether you understand. It's not the lawyer of the vendor that was fighting us. It was not the vendors that were fighting us. Our own lawyer that we were paying was the one that was fighting us. They said that they suspect that there's a Japanese plant. Do you know what a Japanese plant is? There's a Japanese plant growing at the back of this building. Now, Japanese plants are plants that break foundations. I mean, just imagine, this building has been standing here since 1897. And the foundation has stood to today. And then you sit in your air-conditioned office. You've never even come anywhere near this area to know this building. And to say you suspect that a Japanese plant is growing at the back of this building. What kind of demon is that? And they were trying to convince the bank not to give us the mortgage. Because they suspect a Japanese plant. I said from 1897 to now, no Japanese person has been able to conquer this building. Is it today that they will conquer this building? That is how it is when you are trying to build something that is worth building. Even your own people will fight you. So you must develop tenacity. You must be strong. Building is not easy. But he has called us to be living stones that build. Stand to your feet.